Welcome to the Casual Temple Podcast. This is episode 22, and I'm your host, Marilee Duffy. At the Casual Temple, we're not just casual observers, we're seekers and explorers. Our mission is to unravel the nature of reality and how connecting to the unseen world of spirit empowers us to know our true selves. Before we begin, please hit that heart-shaped like button and remember to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Today, we're joined by the wonderful Lux Estrada, an artist, magician, and host of the Lexicult podcast. Luxa shares her journey of hosting the Lexicult podcast, which explores magic, art, science, and philosophy through a chaos magic lens, using belief for magical purposes with an aim of making occultism accessible to all. We learn all about her wonderful projects like the Green Mushroom Project, Project Specs, Autophilia, and the Paranormal Collaboration Projects. So stay tuned to the Casual Temple podcast, where the mundane meets the mystical. Welcome to the Casual Temple. Our guest today is Lux Estrada, who is a fascinating artist and magician. Luxa is also the host of the Lux Occult Podcast, where there are discussions of a variety of occult topics exploring the intersections of magic, art, science, and philosophy through a chaos magic lens. The Lux Occult Podcast is also the audio home of the Green Mushroom Project, which is a group endeavor involving collaborative magical efforts exploring the boundaries of magic and intention. Lexa, I'm so happy to have you as a guest here on Casual Temple. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Stoked to talk to you about all this stuff. And yeah, um, yeah enjoyed uh, speaking with you for my show the other day as well. Yeah. So very excited. Yeah, you're a great host. And yeah, I had a lot of fun. And um, you have just really good insights. On st- anyway, I'm Thank super you. jazzed Thank to you. talk with you again. <laughs> right on. Well, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah. Okay. So we'll just kind of dive in. And I know when we chatted, um, you had said that kind of starting the podcast was really sort of kicked off your own sort of spiritual or magical path. Um, So can you kind of talk a little bit about how Luxacult kind of did that for you? Yeah, totally. Well, I've been like playing around with magic and stuff since I was a kid, but this is really like one of the first like huge things that I did with magic was kind of starting this podcast. Um. I I really wanted to create a space to talk about magic and occultism the way that I approach it, which is kind of heavily filtered through my own background in science and also some Mm. art stuff and everything is mixed in there. Um, And I wanted to have a way of meeting people with similar interests and things like that. And it's also been an interesting way to do some magical experimentation as well. But before I started making the show back in 2020, I'd always you know, wanted to make podcasts. I've been a long time enthusiast of talk radio shows like Coast to Coast AM and things <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always in- incredibly shy. And I really wasn't sure I'd be able to get to a place where I'd feel confident enough talking into microphones and doing mm. this whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ended up doing a lot of magical work surrounding what we would call maybe reprogramming or repatterning some of the ways I was thinking about myself. And um, mm-hmm. yes, as a, you can see, here I am now, or as you can hear, rather, <laughs> right, um, yeah. making podcasts. I actually have another podcast that I make with my brother called Ad Hoc History, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. But I like to bring this story up when I talk about the show, because I think it's a great example of the type of like personal development and things like that a magical or spiritual practice can offer. Um, and if, you know, if people want to use it that way, there's a lot of different ways to, to use it. But if that's something that people are interested in doing, you know, doing something that you want to do, but you are afraid to do or you have boundaries or, or whatever barriers are presenting themselves, you know, for me, I was able to work with that in a magical way and mm-hmm. and found a lot of uh, really cool stuff there. So I like mm-hmm. to kind of talk about the show as 
being like a cultism for everyone, um, accessible to people who, you know, even like me might be coming from a little bit more of like a scientific background or mm -hmm. might have some barriers surrounding like pursuing a spiritual or magical practice. I think a lot of people have a lot of like trauma surrounding spirituality because mm -hmm. they are put into, you know, kind of ritual contexts or other things like in maybe like religious situations where they like really didn't consent to it. And mm -hmm. what could be a really cool and beautiful experience if you consent to it and you want it <laughs> is, you know, not maybe so much if you're, you know, have it forced upon you. And so I think a lot of mm -hmm. people have some barriers surrounding that stuff as well. Um, so, yeah, it's um, a way to have a space to talk about this thing that has been such an important part of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so great, too. And I love how your format is very unique, too, because you have um, like two guests per episode. Yeah, so I, try, really I play around with it. You know, mm -hmm. I sometimes do have two tests. I sometimes have one depending on it's just me making the show. So it kind of depends <laughs> on right. oh, there's a lot of moving parts, but I like to yeah. you know, kind of keep it keep it fresh and stuff and uh, keep everyone guessing and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we did chat a little bit about, yeah, very much when you had shared um, how you, you were kind of like the podcast was sort of coming into your own is kind of how I was interpreting it and who you are. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, because... I was not called Luxa before I started <laughs> making the podcast really. What? Like that was part of that was, you know, becoming you know, I had this idea of like the person that could make the shows. Mm. It wasn't who I was at the time, but I thought, right. you know, here, this is what that person would be like. So, <laughs> so good. So, yeah. Very magical for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So coming up with the podcast and then also, yeah, same thing of like, why, <laughs> like I, I also was a fan of podcasts. I think I started listening to them in like 2000 and five and the first one I listened to was one called the ghostly or ghostly talk and they're still around too um but yeah it's I was like got the the poke on the shoulder to do a podcast like a couple years ago and I was like I don't know I don't know um but then got you know then asked for okay if I'm supposed to do this like what do I do first okay what do I do second what do I do, you know yeah 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 absolutely um, yeah, there was a lot of synchronous events that came together and um, yeah, interesting things. So yeah, mm. I've, I've talked about this on the show a little bit, just kind of, you know, meeting people and through mm. them meeting other people. And I mean, that's yeah. how it goes and everything. Yeah. So yeah, it it, um, it it all came together very uh, organically and in a way that felt very magical, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's so great. Um, So with sort of your path, did you have any um support or guidance kind of along when you were doing this it sounds like maybe some of the guests and people in your circle were helpful yeah there. I mean I've had a lot of support and guidance I mean yeah it's kind of almost too much to name like my family and friends and <laughs> uh -huh. I mean yeah. the amazing folks at the mushroom crew are, are so awesome like, like I've got a lot of great friends over there mm -hmm. got a whole uh coterie of unseen magical helpers mm -hmm. that support me I've got a personal pantheon of deities and ancestors and I mean, I've probably gotten some support from myself in the future too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of yeah. help. So, yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh, I love that you brought up like the support of the your unseen your unseen supports and your future self, because that's like 
you know, because a lot of people might think that they don't have any support, right? Meaning people Mm -hmm. here, like in this material plane. Yeah. Um, I love that you brought that up. One thing that I started doing a while back when I was thinking about the idea of like time magic is Mm -hmm. a simple like meditation in the morning where like I think about, you know, myself existing in all these different times but i kind of stand in the same place i know i'm not actually in the same place like the earth has moved and we're all careening through space at breakneck speeds all the time Mm -hmm. um, you know similarly enough you know this idea of kind of connecting with the past self and the future Mm -hmm. self through the present self and sort of like you know reaching out to the future self for guidance and then also reaching back to the past self to offer it support and guidance and like mm-hmm. you know forming that relationship with yourself it's like if i'm going to do this every day i can count on myself in the future to be offering myself support so it's almost like mm-hmm. even if you're sort of a scientific materialist right. you can still like say well that's actually for sure true happening <laughs> because i'm making it happen mm-hmm. um, which i think is actually a really cool way of doing magic is is making things happen like that mm-hmm. so yeah yeah oh that brings up a good point about making things happen um because there's kind of a lot of and you you know i know you uh kind of you're more of sort of chaos magic so this probably doesn't phase you at all but there's a lot of like very little will <laughs> yeah yeah i figured so um but there is a lot of like at least in some of the circles i'm in where there's you know either Western ceremonial magic or stuff like that, you know, and a lot of it, a lot of the things I do, not a lot, but some of the things I do are like theurgical and like considered high magic, right? Mm-hmm. But not everything I do is that. <laughs> like I do do sure. material world stuff. So what is your perspective on doing like doing magic that makes changes and maybe even doing magic that makes changes for your material, either benefit? Okay. Yeah, this is a great question. I think it's kind of complex and nuanced. Mm. And I think that in order to answer, I might have to tease apart some of what I might consider a little bit of like classism and stuff that's inherent Mm. in this like kind of split between thinking about these things. Mm -hmm. Um, The idea that like, at least to, to my ear, the idea that like high magic is that which we you know, do in our fancy robes and our fancy expensive, you know, materials for Mm -hmm. you know like and this is like to to make us more divine to get us more in touch with like this higher divine power yeah whereas like low magic or sorcery is like oh gross that's what you have to do and you have to pay the bills like (laughs) yuck like that's for pores i mean and i'm not saying that that's exactly like what the thinking is there but like i do think that like you know whatever you're doing like whether it's making changes to make your you know, living circumstances more supportable for doing mm-hmm. that. Maybe uh, what some people would consider higher work. You know, mm-hmm. you have to start somewhere. Like you're always creating changes, and I think that oftentimes, at least from my experience, you know, creating like w- these things kind of come together. Like doing high quote and low quote magic oftentimes both result in both inner and outer results in in the world and in yourself. Like I, I think that there's a sort of for me, a little bit of, um, I guess maybe like a little bit of a fallacy in separating those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of what a lot of people wouldn't consider to be like thergy and high magic and stuff like that. Like I'm very into playing around with like very old tech and kind of mm-hmm. feeling out how it works and then adapting it for my own purposes. Like a classic that I've been loving to play around with for the last, I don't know, maybe 
nine months or so is the headless right this is kind mm. of like one of those classic things that everybody and their siblings love to mm-hmm. <laughs> to play with so like yeah just a sort of ex- I do a lot of deity work and stuff like that mm-hmm. too but um I also don't think there's anything wrong with you know people creating like using magic to create the type of situation that they need to support um you know Maslow's higher higher things on the pyramid right yeah yeah beautifully explained yeah I like that thinking too and I, I like that you know nonsensically but put together like oh like what high magic is and maybe what people might think of low magic is very funny to me. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's, and I'm not to like knock either anybody's oh, perspective sure. I know that there's a lot of different <laughs> ways of like approaching all this stuff mm-hmm. and then there's all kinds of magic that like I you know I wouldn't I'm not saying like I'm into doing all types of magic all the time like yeah, yeah. everybody should be discerning and think it through and make sure that you know it's what makes sense for you and what feels right for you and and all of the rest of it so yes Mm -hmm. so good um and I also like to think too because I um in my practice I look at and meditate on the Kabbalah quite a lot quite a lot and in the Kabbalah it's very much you know they hit it over your head so many times that Keter which is the quote-unquote highest sphere and then Malkuth uh is the quote-unquote lowest sphere where we're residing in consciously they're connected (laughs) they're very much connected they're overlapped so to me it's like if you're making changes here it's it's connected to the higher exactly what you said it's just like if i'm 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 not like a a, you know western hermeticism version of kabbalah scholar at all or anything but if i'm (laughs) not mistaken it kind of exists on these like orders of magnitude like you've got the tree and then it kind of leads to like another tree that's like Mm -hmm. So that makes sense that it would be connected, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So perfect. Now, so you kind of like laid this wonderful groundwork. Can you describe for people who maybe aren't very familiar with what chaos magic is, um, according to your own perspective? Yeah, sure. So it's a highly individualized practice. So preface this by saying that so every (laughs) chaos magician is going to have a little bit of a different way of thinking about it and practicing it and all of that stuff but i will give you a little bit of that in a nutshell like from my own perspective Mm -hmm. this is something that i talk about on my podcast a lot so if people are interested in learning more in depth that's something that they can Mm -hmm. get into there Um, there's a lot of nuance to all this Mm -hmm. let's kind of start out with like a basic premise of my own which is like it seems to me that humans have a sort of like psychological infrastructure that's like set up for spirituality and ritual and things mm-hmm. like that. That's kind of like part of our secret sauce as creatures, if you will, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like looking at history and all other, other places, um, this is something that often is co-opted by like authority structures or like con people or predators or whatever. Um to to use it for their own means instead of the constructive means that it might otherwise be used for for the individual. So a do-it-yourself approach to spirituality, I think, can help a person sidestep many of those issues with spirituality in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so chaos magic is something that's allowed me to kind of reconcile spiritual woo, whatever, Um, And kind of hard scientific ways of knowing and understanding, like ways of putting these things together and synthesizing them like into useful tools and other things. So this is the context in which I work. Mm -hmm. Um, It can look a lot of, you know, very similar to like a lot of modern 
like eclectic witchcraft practices that mm -hmm. we see um, very commonly where people have kind of taken what works from them from various systems or traditions and created their own like approach, their own kind of, I've heard people say like, this is my own personal religion and I'm the only person who practices it. And yeah, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, which is rad. Mm -hmm. um, or chaos magic, some touchstones like in terms of like praxis, like some people might think about are like sigil magic, hyper sigils, pop culture magic, um, things along those lines, but definitely not limited to it. I think a lot of chaos magicians like to explore a lot of really kind of old traditions just from a chaos magic perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so where it diverges from a lot of the like eclectic witchcraft practices that I described earlier is that chaos magic tends to be informed by a sort of like theoretical framework, which includes things like paradigms and magical models. Um, so in chaos magic, we're not ever really making like uh, ontological assertions, if you mm -hmm. will, or like statements about like what for real is actually going on behind the scenes with magic. Like in some mm -hmm. traditions, they're like, oh, no, for real, it's definitely this God. This God definitely exists and they do this and this is like what it is. Right. In chaos magic, it's like, okay, well, that's a paradigm. Like this is one way of looking at it. And in order to like play this game, I'm going to, you know, enter in into this mode of thinking. But I'm also, you know, knowing that this is still a paradigm, this is still a game that I'm playing. I'm not completely investing all the way per se, unless I'm actually in the moment doing ritual. That's when I'm mm -hmm. completely investing. And that's when I'm, you know, using that, um, that belief, you know, the, the idea that belief being something that can be used in intentional ways for magical purposes is kind of another little kind of key component of a lot of chaos magic practices mm -hmm. so like rather than having this like fixed state of belief that like oh yeah like this is it for sure it's just when i'm doing that ritual um like so when i'm uh for instance like praying to the goddess that i like to work with or whatever like while i'm in that moment like i'm really like letting it go like really kind of surrendering to that and then after I'm no longer in that, you know, circle, that magical circle or container of ritual. I can step back to my normal um, everyday agnosticism about mm -hmm. many things <laughs> in the world. Mm -hmm. So this is a way that um, I find uh, really works for me. And it, it's been something that's been really useful for me. And it's also allowed me to gain a lot of different perspectives about a lot of different things. And I think mm -hmm. allowed me to gain a lot of uh, empathy and um just understanding about how the world works in general so mm -hmm. um yeah if nothing is true everything is permitted or because all truths are conditional there might be infinite possibilities there right so hopefully that's lucid enough to be oh, going yeah. on with <laughs> yeah that's great <laughs> all right, oh, oh it's making me think oh because you're doing so what you said I, I like you know i think this is why chaos magic you know was so groundbreaking when it hit years and years ago mm -hmm. um but is still like in very much existence today and probably getting more strong is because of that freedom and you know people you know because human beings are curious they want to explore and you know figure this out especially something so important as like your relationship to you know what the heck you're doing here kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um, but i did have a question since you do you know, you interview quite a few people. Have any of your guests 
kind of influenced you in some way of like how you approach magic you don't have to name names but just curious (laughs) yeah I mean I've been I don't want to like I don't want to name names because I'm very nervous that I'll accidentally forget somebody and feel like a total asshole (laughs) because I've spoken to some of people that have been yeah I've gotten to meet some people that I've really looked up to and respected and it's Mm -hmm. been really really amazing and um so yeah I've definitely had the opportunity to speak to people that have been inspirations to me and who Mm -hmm. I've you know been like a huge fangirl of and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so yeah (laughs) cool um okay so I know one of the main things that you're working on is called the green mushroom project so I'm curious now I have (laughs) I feel like when I have these questions I I have them backwards but um so if you can help the guests understand or the guests the audience understand uh what the green mushroom project is and then kind of what inspired you to get involved and start start it yeah absolutely so i think i'll start out with a sort of biological metaphor that inspired this in order to mm-hmm. <laughs> describe what it is yeah so maybe the questions weren't backwards oh, but yeah. um <laughs> so if we think about the symbiotic relationship, like a relationship where both of the organisms are getting a benefit out of it, a beneficial symbiosis, that some types of fungi, the types that produce mushroom, have with some types of trees, a lot of these are conifers, but they're not limited to conifers, um, there's this sort of really interesting thing that happens where the forest is kind of connected underground by this mycelial web that these fungi form. And it allows the trees to kind of communicate with each other and to share resources. And it's not very well understood yet, but the more that we learn about it, the more interesting and, you know, complicated it it looks. Mm -hmm. So there's this really interesting kind of biological metaphor that I wanted to play with there. So here with the Mushroom Project, if the magical practitioners are like these trees, the green mushroom hyphosigil is like the underground mycelial web which Mm. connects us and supports us and allows us to like you know share resources and communicate and other interesting magical things Mm -hmm. um the word hypho is from uh latin net so it means uh, web Mm -hmm. so it's a web sigil it's kind of inspired by the linking sigil that the dkmu came up with a while back um, it's a similar type of tech, only this one is for a different thing than the LS sigil was created for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very much inspired by that work. And um, we started it back in 2020. Um, it's sort of a large scale ongoing, excuse me, we started it back in 2020 as a sort of like large scale ongoing group magical working, mm-hmm. um, which is focused on like, as I said, building connection, right? Like, um, the the hypho web connects us. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this is like fostering creativity. Like there's a lot of creative people. A lot of the magic that we do is creative in nature mm-hmm. um, and artistically based and things like that, where a lot of us are very into things like hyper sigils and stuff like that. Um, we wanted to empower individuals to become more agentic through using magic and esoteric technology kind of like i described earlier with with what i did with my um podcast and my name and all that stuff you know there's all kinds of things can be done with that stuff and we wanted to have a space where people could you know experiment with that stuff and through this we also wanted to build solidarity 
and kind of strengthen our position against hate groups, which is a mm -hmm. thing that unfortunately we see sort of in on the rise um, within occult and new age circles mm -hmm. and other places in our society. So yeah. um, this was the case back in 2020 and it's still the case now. So yes. Wow. Very cool. I love the concept around it and then how it's being implemented and then how you're kind of using that sort of, sounds like kind of like combined attention, right? And that's very powerful in magic is the attention and focus mm -hmm. and especially around things that, you know, as individuals, we feel like we can't have an effect on like, you yeah. know, so, oh, that's so yeah. cool. One yeah. of the, one of the things that we do is like every Friday night, we light a candle with the mushroom sigil on it together. Mm -hmm. And we yeah. say the statements project of resistance, which I'd be happy to read for you if you'd would like yeah. to hear it. Please. Okay, right on. So this is the Green Mushroom Project Statement of Resistance, which we do uh, read and then light a candle at midnight Eastern on Friday nights. We usually have it be a green candle, but we're not picky about it. <laughs> Resist. Resist by maintaining sovereignty of the self. Resist by maintaining love of the self. Resist by maintaining fierce loyalty to love and pleasure. Resist with acts of radical kindness. Focus on the path. To better times oh yeah <laughs> i like the sign off that's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah we fuck yeah is kind of our amen yeah <laughs> can i get a fuck yeah <laughs> yeah it's, i mean it has like the same energy that's awesome <laughs> so you might have noticed i know you're into planetary magic mm -hmm. you might have noticed the the planetary tie-ins here we're doing this on mm -hmm. friday nights we've mm -hmm. got love and pleasure as part of it that's so right. we've got a lot of venusian energy going on here we found that to be very helpful for like keeping shit chill and also for mm. for creative um endeavors too so it's been going yeah. very well oh i like that yeah you associated the friday energy with creativity because why not <laughs> it makes sense i've so, yeah i right. found it to be a very useful energy for that stuff mm -hmm. yeah amazing well good tip i love it um let's see so gosh you have so many so many things that you're doing um uh, the next one <laughs> that I was like, oh, I don't know if I know this one so much, but it's, um, I think it's on your Patreon, but it's called Project Specs. Oh, yes. Actually, this is very much related to the Green Mushroom Project. Oh, this is, is okay. a little, this is a thing that um, Frater Damiana and Guillermo X have, um, and actually Yaramura too, some some folks and I were were talking about, you know, wanting to do some kind of pop culture, political magic, and mm -hmm. this was something that emerged as being a really kind of fun and interesting thing to try out so mm -hmm. project specs um specs as in like spectacles <laughs> um it's sunglasses magic which Ooh. is inspired by the 1988 film uh they live by john carpenter okay. uh -huh. <laughs> so for people ha who haven't seen this movie it's a really great really terrible movie <laughs> it's an old 80s action movie it's um yeah, there's a, it's very fun. Um, mm -hmm. It is actually, in, the reason that John Carpenter, as far as I understand it, made it was so that he could talk about Reaganomics in a mm. space where political discourse like wasn't super welcome. Mm -hmm. So in order to do this political discourse, he made this very cheesy action movie. Wow. <laughs> um, and the premise is, is that the main character finds these sunglasses that when he puts them on, mm -hmm. he can see that there's been this like alien invasion and these aliens are kind of like taking over and they've got all this like subliminal messaging everywhere mm -hmm. that's kind of like 
controlling people and enslaving them and stuff. And all of a sudden he can see all these like signs that say like, obey, consume, right. reproduce, like things like that. Um, and so it's this sort of like idea of wanting to make our own version of these sunglasses that allow us to see through the subliminal messaging and all kinds of other, you know, we're, we're constantly under onslaught of different um, forces and different parties wanting to influence us, wanting us to, you know, just our attention, our money, Mm -hmm. our vote, whatever it is. Like, so just having some kind of a filter we thought would be an interesting thing to play with. Ooh, that sounds so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And if people are interested, um, we, we wrote out the the ritual, the simple ritual that you can do to uh, create your own pair of enchanted specs glasses. Ooh, awesome. Oh, yeah, that sounds really cool. And yeah, love... we've been having fun with it. Oh, it sounds so fun. Oh, what a great idea. Oh, and so I know you dropped, I've heard, I haven't had another guest on that kind of talked about maybe his version of pop culture magic, but can you kind of give a little brief on what that is for the Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I think that I would define pop culture magic as doing magic that instead of looking to like an archetype that we would find in, say, Greek mythology or um, the Bible or whatever other like big popular systems other people like to work with, we would take that from popular culture. Mm -hmm. Um, A sort of touchstone for this would be, I think this was the uh, comic book artist Grant Morrison describing this concept, because this is something that he's written a lot about, um, the idea that Ares and Superman have a lot in common. Mm. And for modern people, some modern people might have a much closer connection with Superman, and Superman might mean a lot more, might have a lot more power for them than Ares does. So using that same kind of energy just through a different like symbolic representation mm-hmm. which would be one way of thinking about that so i think that for for some people there can be a lot of inspiration as well in mm-hmm. pop culture i've found a lot of um inspiration for things that i thought were cool and wanted to play with magically from reading fantasy novels um the work of Patrick Rothfuss has been an inspiration to me in my magical practice i think he's mm-hmm. i'm not sure if he's a practitioner but if I do think that he has a very um, keen instinct for magical thought. Mm. Um, so yeah, things like that, I would say, are pop culture magic as well. Yeah. But I think, yeah, anything that uses um, pop culture things and elevates it to like a sort of place of um, magical relevance or whatever. I, I know mm-hmm. that people do like um, pop, you know, popular saints work or folk saints work with people mm-hmm. like David Bowie right. or Ruth Bader Ginsburg or folks like that who have had a big influence. So Frida Kahlo is another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I tend to think because um, <laughs> you're uh, for, you know, because I do the planetary magic for things around the sun. I know like kind of historically and, in the old text, they're like, oh, it's related to the king or whatever. I have, I can't but picture just it's rock star energy. <laughs> like, I'm like, the sun is rock star energy. <laughs> so I feel the same way about yeah. it. I mean, maybe the king is rock star energy yeah. too. I feel like I, maybe the rock star is an easier archetype for me yeah. to kind of get in touch with than the king. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. The king is someone who I just want to kick off the throne. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Rock star, no way. I want to 
I want to party with that dude. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, yeah. And I like, you know, because I think I saw, I think, um, uh, yeah, I definitely love music and stuff. So that appeals more to me. (laughs) It's like rock star magic. (laughs) Um, Let's see. So I know, uh, so you have this other project called Autophilia. And so I, I could, can you describe what that is for us? Yeah, what? absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Audiophilia was a sort of collaborative audio sigil that mm-hmm. I recently produced. Okay. I didn't create it all myself because I had a lot of help from several other ritualists. Mm-hmm. Um, I can read the kind of little thing that I wrote up to describe it to you. Yeah. But it might be the easiest way yeah. to go because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of a lot. <laughs> All right, here it is. Sure. Um, After releasing my third album of ritually produced aural erotica, meaning sound, Mm. I wanted to find a way to offer others some of what I'd been able to take away from doing that type of work. So conducting it had been instrumental in allowing me to gain many valuable insights and had been the source of a lot, but not all of the personal growth that I'd undergone since beginning. So this is kind of related to some of that identity work that we were talking about earlier, too. Mm -hmm. When I first shared the first track that I made of this leg of my work, this kind of um, out there audio work, Um, In 2020, there was a lot of fear and other emotions Mm. associated with breaking the taboo um, that was going to have to be done Mm. in order to share it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And in order and when that happened, like it it was a sort of altered state of consciousness, right? It was a sort of like gnosis, if you will. Mm. I'm not a huge fan of that term, but it is a popular (laughs) term. (laughs) Yes, it is. So that was a a way to describe it. Um, It was a really magically potent endeavor. Um, and there's this idea that like fear and power are neighbors. And so if you mm. want to find power, your power, if you start walking in the direction of your fear, that can be helpful. I'm not talking about doing this in like a way that is puts yourself in danger or anything like that, but right. in a way that challenges yourself to like grow out of your um, your own bounds. Mm-hmm. Wow. Cool. It's kind so, of like a shadow work, right? Same yeah, way. it's a lot of shadow yeah. work. Yeah, a lot of... Mm-hmm. Um, stuff about dissolving shame um Mm. within this project we were working with sexual energy um Mm -hmm. and there the ritual that i wrote up for everybody involves like you know kind of self-appreciation and self-love and self-pleasure and things like that right and so it's a lot of like facing oneself in a very direct way like sort Mm -hmm. of being naked with yourself in a a way that's more than physical I guess could be another way of describing it so Mm -hmm. within our culture like the idea that like basic things like sex are bad and evil is it's been something that's been a very effective means of controlling people for a Mm -hmm. long time and so I think a lot of us have a lot of stuff just built up around that very simple concept so just doing a little bit of work surrounding it can be a great way of finding a lot of like personal agency and liberation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that what was what that was about. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a really interesting project. I really appreciate that people were willing to like do this very out there thing and go mm-hmm. on this very strange ride with me to trust me with that work yeah. you know, to send me these audio tracks of themselves conducting these rituals and trust me to 
put it together in a way that would be respectful and not, I don't know, do whatever weird, creepy thing people <laughs> do with it. You know, right. like, oh my gosh. So yeah. yeah, it was really like, it was really humbling and cool. it really meant a lot to me to be able to like, you know, put this thing together and we're still kind of, I'm honestly still kind of unpacking it. We're going to be mm. having a reflection meeting soon to kind of like talk over how it went for everybody. So it mm-hmm. just came out on Valentine's Day. It's very new and everything. So but yeah, Perfect. people can check it out if they're yeah. into uh, listening to very spicy audio stuff. Hey, you know, every every once in a while, you know, you kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm obviously a fan. I created it. <laughs> <Right, so. laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. And I love that you you put a label on uh you know saying like shame right because it's sort of this kind of feeling or thing that we do to ourselves <laughs> that um we don't really talk about you know um yeah. and especially you know as as a woman in western american <laughs> society it's just like you're constant you know constantly being shamed about all sorts of stuff and, you and basically can't that. do fucking anything right? you can't do anything without... <laughs> i mean i'm not trying to be like an asshole about it, but that's no, like if you true. kind of break down the messages it's like okay well mm-hmm. so yeah i was talking about this with a friend the other day and she's like she's like well if you can't do anything right then fuck it like just exactly do what you want to do just do <laughs> you do you like for real like that's yeah. the only way out of that trap so yeah yes. exactly oh so good oh my goodness okay yeah. awesome. speaking about shame like i do mm. want to bring up um somebody who was really important to me um yeah Brene brown a great great um a lot of great work about shame and um, mm. thinking about the the difference between shame versus guilt and like, you know, guilt being like, mm. okay, I feel bad about something that I did, right? Like right. that's something that's like measurable, but shame being like, I feel bad about like something that I am. And like, Oof. is that actually true? Or is that just a story you're telling mm-hmm. to yourself or whatever? So yeah. Oof, that sounds great. Oh man. Yeah. I'm gonna write that down. Good stuff. Um, so I think, you know, the next sort of, gosh, yeah, you are just in all the projects and all the things. It's awesome. Um, how would you describe zodiacal path working? Oh, okay, cool. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> playing around with planetary magic, as mm-hmm. I mentioned, I do like to play with, you know, older tech as well as, you know, doing sunglass John Carpenter rituals. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was... You know, this is a couple of years ago now here, but um, I was, you know, noodling around with some stuff in the Picatrix and everything. And I kept seeing these references here and there to one's own nativity having like an effect on how these planetary mm. operations would work, mm-hmm. which absolutely makes sense, right? Yeah. It's all about circumstances and stuff like that. But there's not like a lot of, you know, direction about like, okay, well, so how do you figure out what that looks like? Then? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, sort of my own personal meditative, personal gnosis or whatever, like through this, my, mm-hmm. I would, maybe it would be easier to say like my tutelary spirits or whatever mm-hmm. showed it to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um. However you want to say it, I came across the idea, which was very much inspired by um some of my friends who are into druidry. Mm-hmm. They do something called Oum path working where mm-hmm. they think about the Oum views. Oums are like a magical alphabet. And they think about it as being arranged in a wheel and they mm-hmm. kind of do path working al- around this wheel to explore the different energies of these views, these these letters from this alphabet. Mm-hmm. So thinking about it from a similar principle as that, I imagined the birth chart as having a same kind of like structure. 
Right. And I imagine myself, you know, kind of standing there and using the birth chart like as a map for approaching where these planetary rulers like live mm-hmm. on the map. So it, hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to my mind, this was like a, a way of making kind of direct contact with these rulers, with these energies mm-hmm. um, and sort of forming that relationship through the energies, which they start through the energies, which they first like approach you in, which I mm-hmm. guess is like the whole um, premise of what the birth chart is, is your starting context for working with these energies. So right. Yeah, through exploring this work, I was able to make some interesting kind of direct contacts with some of these rulers and, you know, come up with some interesting like little tidbits and little like flavors that I've Mm -hmm. been putting into my planetary magic. So, um, for instance, like after doing this work with, you know, Saturn, for instance, like when I do Saturn, Saturnian magic, I will do it within my own context of where it lives in Scorpio. So like Mm. I'll bring some of that Scorpio vibe to my Saturn magic. When I do work with Mercury, I'll think about Aquarius, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. just things like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's definitely like a a way of approaching and sort of balancing out sort of the different energies that are present in your natal chart. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. I think we talked about this on my show. One of the reasons I was playing with this too, is because (laughs) I had a, a, consultation with a very talented friend of mine who's a great astrologer and Mm. some of the things that he brought up in that were you know surprised me actually how Mm. how well he read me Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um and i really did want to explore maybe bringing some of those the energies of like the malefics and stuff into like a greater harmony with uh Mm. with everything so yeah yeah cool yeah working with those malefics in your Natal chart is no, no walk in the park sometimes. So yeah, awesome. definitely. Yeah. Wow. So cool. I'm like, that's a really cool way of approaching your natal chart. Cause I, um, yeah, I, exactly what you were saying is like, you, you have all this information about your natal chart, but you're like, but what do I, what do I do with it? And so that's a really good way of approaching it. You. yeah it's been it's been cool and i've presented it on it a couple of times and mm-hmm. it seems to have been going over well the people who have played with it have had some interesting um things that they've found too so yeah it seems like people are at least finding some limited utility in it and that makes me happy <laughs> yeah hey you know if it helps one person that's cool yeah right on i'll probably uh you know write something up on this pretty soon awesome. and put it out there yeah yeah look forward to that um, okay, so the last project that I saw you have, you probably have other ones that I wasn't <laughs> aware of. of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You probably have so many. Um, but I saw that you do a paranormal collaboration project, or at least yes. that's what I saw. What's so that about? This, is, this <laughs> is a new thing. Um, mm-hmm. A friend of mine, Flood, over from the XV Planis podcast, mm. um, and I are kind of going to be working on a little side project this year which Mm -hmm. is looking at like the intersections of paranormal practices that he's into Mm -hmm. he's very into like ghost chasing and yeah you know doing ce5 work like reach which is when humans reach out to you know extraterrestrials or Mm -hmm. or extra dimensionals or however we want to think about them (laughs) um, and try to make contact um and 
my perspective as like an occultist is like thinking about things like evocation and, and other mm. things like this and and working together to see like well, where are the intersections in these two communities these practices like how can we put this together and how can we build you know perhaps some useful tools that people could play with for doing work along these lines mm -hmm. so we're really excited about it the first thing that we put out is a track which i i produced it's a magical track a sound magical track mm. um which was inspired by the events at randlesham air force base uh, oh, back yeah. in 1980 oh it's so yes <laughs> oh that's awesome so it's very fun yeah it's it's the uh the audio actually has like the, the music actually has like audio of lieutenant colonel charles halt mm -hmm. at the time um and he's you know he's thinks he's like experiencing something very interesting and yes. very weird and so i, I don't want to like be that person that like skeptic person that everybody hates because like, <laughs> right. um, i have like looked into this case and stuff and like after like digging into it pretty well like i do think that like it probably like the way that the ball first got rolling was like as a little bit of like a hoax on the part of the mm, british mm. um but after that you know there's all these other things that come out of it and it's been this huge inspiration to the community and there's all this like lore that surrounds it it, yeah. it really is this fascinating and interesting thing mm -hmm. and to me like that's a very interesting magical story like it yeah. doesn't like when we're doing magic or, or like other spiritual practices like sometimes it starts out by just going through the motions like when i began doing my deity work for, for instance like it didn't feel like anything like i i began because mm -hmm. i wanted to know what it would feel like to even think that gods could be a thing you know yeah. i was like what is that even like <laughs> yeah. so it, it started out with me just going through the motions and going through the motions and then all of a sudden it there was a sort of catching that happened and it became mm -hmm. very real and yeah. i think that that's kind of how these things happen like with it, it's it tells a very interesting magical story rendlesham does because even yeah. though it started out as a sort of a prank or hoax or whatever that doesn't matter like mm -hmm. it has a sort of like feedback loop effect where it becomes something with emergent properties that has a life of its own mm -hmm. and so yeah that's kind of like what the track the track is about rendlesham and then the other layer, the esoteric layer of it is th about that for me. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, people should check it out. Um, It's on YouTube. And I did put some in the music video. I put some mm -hmm. of the things that like were supposedly communicated by the time travelers <laughs> that mm -hmm. visited. And um, yep. so, yeah, it's, it's very fun. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Yeah, it's, it is a fascinating story. Um. There's like messages, like you said, and all, yeah. oh my gosh, it's symbols, all yes. kinds of things, all yes. the things. So yeah, definitely you gotta get, you gotta check it out. I gotta check out um this your paranormal collaboration project on Rendlesham Forest. It sounds super cool. Yeah, and people, if they're interested in like you know paranormal investigation and mm. stuff, um, Flood over at the XV Planet show yeah. does a great job of like you know leading a paranormal investigation team into doing mm -hmm. these things and then kind of dissecting it in the podcast so it's very cool like Ooh. boots on the ground work and yeah i love it yeah that sounds cool i like that sort of an analysis so that sounds really cool oh yeah um all right so you know wow we talked about all the millions of projects you do and <laughs> or some of them anyway um but where can folks find you find more about you and learn about all the things that you're up to. 
All right. Well, you can hear me on the Lux Occult podcast, which is available on most of the places you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple. It's also on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the other places, I'm guessing there's more Podbean, whatever. <laughs> yeah, all those guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find the rest of my work um, on my link tree. Um, mm-hmm. You can find the Green Mushroom Project at greenmushroomproject.com. And you can find me on Instagram at luxocultpod and see all the strange things that I like to post. <laughs> I always find them fascinating. As well. <laughs> you know, very interesting. Um, so definitely follow the Instagram if you guys are into the Instagram world. Yeah, um, if, if you like that sort of thing. Yeah, if you like that sort of thing, for sure. Um, so kind of the last thing, uh, what words of wisdom would you like to leave us with today? Well, this is sort of a central theme for a lot of my work. So I think Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring it up here. Yeah. A lot of us are conditioned to look to outside authorities for answers and direction. This kind of starts in, in our education experience for a lot of us. But when it comes to like magic, our own personal magical spiritual practices, there can be a lot said for doing as much work as you can to put yourself in that primary position of authority. No matter what type of fancy hat somebody might be wearing, what books they might have written or read, what clubs they might be a part of, or whatever other way people gain social or other status, no matter what, nobody can tell you how to do your own spirituality, your own magic better than you can discover yourself through actually doing the work there's a lot of silly or manipulative people out there making all sorts of claims about all sorts of things so i encourage everybody listening to always uh, resist by maintaining that critical thinking and uh, always looking to yourself to be the ultimate authority in your practice reach that's amazing yes i love it thank you yeah thank you so much Oh, well, everybody definitely check out Lexa Strata and all her amazing things. Check, check out the Lexa Colt podcast. Um, yeah, all sorts of inventive, you know, very cool, empowering stuff that you do. And I love it. Well, Marilee, thank you so much for inviting me here and allowing me the space to talk your ear yeah. off about all the stuff that yes, I got going on. Really, really cool sharing it. And um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It was my pleasure having the wonderful Lex Estrada on the show today. Please check out the show notes to learn more about all the wonderful projects that Lexa is involved with. And definitely check out the Lexa Cult podcast. Do remember to like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us grow. Thank you for listening and being an important part of the Casual Temple. 